Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. If you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show as well as other great TV-style shows too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without having to spend a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you. The show where we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, isn't that special? If you vote illegally in this country, guess what? You might just get away with it. But if you write a book factually exposing liberal corruption, whoa, just watch those Elections Canada bureaucrats swoop into action like so many members of a SWAT team Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the unbelievable details. Um, why is ethical Canadian oil subjected to the federal carbon tax, whereas the imported stuff from Saudi Arabia is not? Great question. The problem is the Liberals won't answer this query. Key and Bexty will weigh in on yet another double standard man manufactured by the ever so non-transparent Trudeau Liberals. And finally, letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day, and I'll share some of your responses regarding my visit to a candlelight vigil for deceased Iranian General Qasem Soleimani in Toronto, that is, not Tehran. Oh, and if that isn't sur surreal enough for you, there was my encounter with a Toronto police officer who actually threatened to arrest me if I were to ask impolite questions. Um, gee, maybe I was in Tehran that night after all. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Elections Canada describes their mandate as, among other things, monitoring compliance with electoral legislation. And their mission statement says it's their job to ensure that Canadians can exercise their democratic rights and vote and be a candidate. But what if your democratic right to vote is just cancelled out by someone voting illegally because Elections Canada has abdicated the part of their mandate that requires them to monitor compliance with the electoral legislation? We have a proactively released access to information request that shows Elections Canada knows non-citizens are voting in Canadian elections, but Elections Canada is declining to prosecute. Just look at this. 
The total number of non-Canadians known to have cast ballots in the period of January 1st, 2015 to September 11, 2019 is unknown to the Commissioner of Canada Elections. However, the CCE does have information regarding potential instances of votes cast by individuals who were allegedly not Canadian citizens during the period in question. This is based on information stemming from either complaints from the public or referrals by Elections Canada for the period between January 1st, 2015 and September 11, 2019, as of September 24th, 2019, the CCE has determined that for 57 instances of individuals casting a ballot at a federal election while not being Canadian citizens, the evidence available did not provide a reasonable prospect of conviction and or formal compliance or enforcement action was not in the public interest. It should be noted that the newly adopted power to impose administrative monetary penalties is not available for instances stemming from elections held prior to April 1st, 2019. Aside from these 57 instances, work on a smaller number of other files is still ongoing for which formal compliance or enforcement action may be taken. So, if you vote illegally in this country, guess what? Elections Canada might just shrug its shoulders and basically say, hey, what you gonna do, boss? But if someone like our Commander-in-Chief Ezra Levent writes a factual book about liberal corruption, well, Elections Canada will set loose the hounds even if they don't stand a snowball's chance in Hades of winning this preposterous case. Outrageous and almost beyond belief. And with more on this story of a regulator that can't seem to figure out its own priorities is the host of The Gun Show, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, and by the way, I should say to our uh, audience, Sheila, um, at first I was jarred by your shirt and then thank you for moving that microphone. Yes. He was not a supporter of Hillary for president, but the, <laughs> a supporter of Hillary for the other P word, but that's another story. In any event, <laughs> Sheila, if Elections Canada isn't investigating all these instances of illegal voting, then Sheila, why do we even have an entity called Elections Canada in the first place? Yeah, that's their job. Like if you go to the Elections Canada website and you check out their mandate, and their list of values and things they're supposed to do, they're supposed to protect the integrity of our elections. And as far as I'm concerned, and the legislation is concerned, you're supposed to protect the integrity of the election by ensuring that people that are voting are legally allowed to vote in Canada. And insofar as Elections Canada is concerned, they've actually investigated to the point where they know for sure or have evidence to suggest that at least 57 people have voted illegally while not being residents of the country and they are investigating other instances as well but then they've decided that well we know who they are we know what they did but we're not going to proceed because a they think that maybe they're not going to get a conviction the person might claim ignorance of the law as though that's some sort of defense and b it's not in the public interest well if you're in a close riding and your vote has been nullified by an illegal voter somewhere else at another ballot box 
that sure as hell is in the public interest. This is staggering. First of all, Sheila, I mean, this is kind of like the town dog catcher going, oh, you know, this part about the job of rounding up loose canines, it's not my <laughs> bag, man. Uh, that is your bag. That's why you're there. And not in the public interest. This is staggering. Look, I, I can hear from the apologists out there, oh, if it's 57, even double that, that's not even a rounding error in the great scheme of things. But it's more than that, Sheila, that, you know, having a fair and square uh, electoral system is the very foundation of our democracy. And even if there was one case of voter fraud, that person should be brought upon the carpet and the book should be thrown at that person. And I don't care if there's an ignorance of the law. When has that ever got any uh, regular citizen out of a traffic ticket, for example? Well, and, you know, I want to be perfectly clear. My story was about just Canadian or people who are voting who are not Canadian citizens. This doesn't even take into account people who have voted twice or voted in ridings that are not their own um, to strategically vote. That doesn't even take into account that sort of voter fraud. These are people who are not Canadian citizens and who are appearing on the immigration, refugees, and citizenship data as Canadian residents, but not Canadian citizens. That's how they're doing the comparison. So there's no way actually for them to take into account in this examination people who are not Canadian citizens and who are here illegally, yet who can produce an electricity bill and claim residence in a riding because that's all you need these days. Sheila, do we know exactly who these people are or can we even obtain that information or is this going to be some, uh, you know, bogus, uh, we, we can't release this data due to privacy legislation? Yeah, that's how it's going to go. We're going to keep looking. We're going to see if we can get more and more data on this um, and dig a little deeper because if this is just, like I said, this this is 57 instances that they are able to accurately assess that this is illegal voting done by people who are not Canadian citizens. There's other kinds of voter fraud obviously happening. How much of that is happening, we don't know. Um, who knows if Elections Canada will release that data to us. But yeah, I'd love to know exactly what ridings this is happening yeah. in and what MPs this is benefiting. Um, and does that have something to do with the um, lack of desire to prosecute from the elections commissioner and the elections bureaucracy itself? And, and you know, Sheila, you may recall, and our viewers may recall, that um, you know we rang the warning bell on this going back to the 2015 election. You might remember my caper when <laughs> I went to an advance poll wearing a burqa. <laughs> uh, oh my, how it accentuated my eyes. Then again, that's all you could see. <laughs> <laughs> but the point was, is that never was I asked to unveil. I just had to produce uh, some sort of an, an identity card, government-issued uh, um, documentation. The point is, Sheila, if I knew several people in that writing and they lent me their identification cards, I could keep coming back uh, to the ballot box saying I was somebody else and there was no double checking. They would just um, assume on a promise, you know, pinky swear, I really am, um, you know, uh, Fatima Mohammed, that this is who I am. So 
we know there's a problem out there, and we know in, in that particular case, I guess it was some bizarre form of political correctness in making sure that the person behind that mask was indeed the person he or she was claiming to be. So uh, it, this is what worries me, that I, I see this just increasing in future elections if the authorities aren't going to come down on the abusers. Well, and you keep mentioning identity cards, but it's it's not just identity cards. It doesn't have to be government-issued ID yes. to vote with. You can bring your electricity bill, your phone bill, um, anything that says that you live at the residence that you do. You could have somebody come down and vouch for you. So if you can get a liar to collude with you, you can go down there and say, I'm so-and-so, and swear a document um, to be allowed to vote. It's very easy to vote in this country. It should be easy to vote, but it is also very easy to prove your identity. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. We need stronger legislation in this country so that we know that my vote and your vote are protected from being crossed out by a fraudulent voter somewhere else. So Sheila, what is the unspoken reason here in terms of why there's no political will to you know, snap Elections Canada into action and come down on uh, these fraudulent voters? Well, I, I would suggest that the fraudulent voters are probably benefiting the Liberals. Yes. So why would they investigate? Um, <laughs> uh, why would they investigate their own voters? It, it's not in their political interest. But um, as I pointed out in my story, um, despite the fact that there's a carve out in the legislation for books and the promotion and sale of books during an election period and during the writ period, because they're actually two different things, um, Ezra is being investigated for writing his best-selling book, The Librandos. So he published true facts, inconvenient facts about the Liberals, and he's being investigated by the same elections bureaucracy for breaking the law, which he didn't. It's clear he didn't. It's even cited in the letter that the uh, investigator sent to him, threatening him that he's being investigated. They cited the portion of the law that, that writes an exemption for books, and yet they're still investigating him. Why? Because Justin Trudeau is trying to bankrupt us. That's yeah. pretty clear. And, and this is the other half of your story that makes it truly egregious, uh, Sheila, is the fact that clearly Ezra was not breaking the law. And also, let's not forget, there's a precedent of sorts set. You know, when the Alberta elections people came after you for your Notley book, um, that was a no-hoper. Um, so you'd think they would look upon that. But this is clearly another story in which the process is the penalty. And what I mean by that, we can go to court and we can take on maybe five or six, you know, Elections Canada lawyers and um, win our case and at the end of the day get stuck with a, a five-figure or maybe even a six-figure legal bill. And that is outright shameful knowing that going in, they don't have a case according to the letter of the law and Alberta failed to do uh, what they're trying to do to Ezra uh, when they came after you, Sheila. Yeah, and the, the law, they basically use the exact same wording for the federal law versus the provincial law. So there's precedent here. They tried, they failed. It cost $75,000 in legal fees to uh, resist the interrogation of the elections investigators. They wanted me to sit down as an author 
and be investigated and interrogated by a state investigator because I wrote a book that was critical of the government. They demanded that I turn over all my internal emails and planning documents, editorial stuff, over to the government so that they could examine it. They could examine the planning of my book. It was so Soviet, but they knew from the beginning that the eventuality would be that they would have to come to the conclusion that I was in full compliance with the law because I was. We we lawyer everything. Lawyers are one of the biggest fees we have at yeah. the rebel. Um, but that wasn't the point. The point was to cost us $75,000 because we're completely crowdfunded. The point is to cost us another $75,000 or $100,000 or $150,000 pushing back against the elections bureaucracy federally while Justin Trudeau has the deep pockets of the federal government and he can sick anybody he wants after us to shut us up. He knows he's not going to um, change our editorial course with bribes like he does with the mainstream media. So he's just going to try to bleed us dry. Well, you know, Sheila, we got to wrap it there. It can't get any more putrid than that. Go after journalists writing factual books um, in what is going to be um, a shite case, part of my language. Uh, and meanwhile, turn a blind eye to fraudsters who are presumably voting liberal because, well, they're voting liberal. Absolutely despicable. Sheila, I hope you, well, actually, I know you will stay on this case. Let's yep. try to find out who these people are and what their agenda is. And let's try to hold Elections Canada uh, to the mandate that they're sworn to protect. Sheila, uh, great commentary, great work. And thank you so much for joining us on that. David, I just want to tell our viewers at home if they want to help Ezra with his legal fees yes. and see the the threat demand letter that uh, the federal elections bureaucracy sent him, they can do that at SaveRebelNews.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sheila, for reminding me about that. And as Sheila said, folks, uh, we don't get a, a dime of government funding, nor would we accept it if it was off, if it was ever offered. Uh, that's why we can indeed tell the other side of the story. I want to ask why Saudi Arabia gets a pass on Trudeau's carbon tax. Trudeau is favoring OPEC workers, OPEC regimes. The leaders of these OPEC countries who are directly profiting from their oil and gas companies aren't being taxed when their shipments land on Canadian soil. Now, I don't think that there should be a carbon tax, but I certainly don't think that OPEC should get off the hook when Albertan farmers and Albertan companies are closing up shop because of Trudeau's carbon tax. I had the opportunity to ask Christia Freeland that question as she arrived to the meeting about 15 minutes late. She walked in behind media and nobody really noticed her except for me. I asked her this question. Christia, could you tell me why Saudi Arabia gets a pass on your carbon tax? Now she didn't answer there, but I'm waiting around for when she leaves the meeting. I've kind of deduced where she's parked, so I think if I wait for her here, I'll be able to ask her more questions. Let's see if we can find her. I wasn't able to catch Christia as she left. Unfortunately, she left through the underground garage. She didn't want to talk to me for a second time, but it's okay because I spoke to her Minister of Environment and Climate Change. He was at the University of Calgary, and I asked him very similar questions, and the responses, I imagine, would have been pretty similar. Listen to this. So you're still fighting on the constitutionality of the carbon tax in general. Why don't you direct those efforts towards Saudi Arabia and just tax the, the blood oil that's coming from Saudi Arabia? Again, I would say uh, I think all Canadians would agree that pollution should not be free. Um, 
we have made the decision that one of the elements of the pan-Canadian approach to fighting climate change and promoting clean growth is a price on pollution. If you ask 100 economists, 99 and a half of them will tell you it's the most efficient market-based mechanism for addressing and reducing carbon emissions. That is something that we were very clear about during the, the past campaign, and that is what we continue to, uh, to be committed to doing. Wow. So from no answer from Deputy Prime Minister Freeland to a non-answer from Environment Minister Wilkinson, the transparency is downright blinding, isn't it, folks? But the question remains, why is ethically derived Canadian oil subjected to a carbon tax while the imported Saudi Arabian product gets a free pass? Why indeed? And with more on this story is the carbon kid himself, Kian Bexty. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Kian. Thanks for having me, David. Great. Always a pleasure, my friend. So, Kian, since Liberal cabinet ministers absolutely refuse to answer your questions regarding the double standard vis-a-vis -vis the carbon tax, what do you think is the unspoken reason for this baffling policy? Quebec gas prices. I think that the price of gasoline in Quebec and the price of a lot of consumer goods would skyrocket if Saudi Arabia oil was taxed in the same way Alberta oil was taxed. Um, the, a, a huge portion of Quebec's oil supply comes from uh, foreign countries. And if, if that tax was to be applied fairly to those oils, which are just as polluting, uh, when burned, then Quebecers would, uh, they, would, they wouldn't have it. Quebec always prefers taxation comes from other parts of the country to fuel their own interests. That's what happened. That's why they suck up our equalization dollars so rapidly. And if they're finally on the hook for paying these taxes, their votes are going to go somewhere else to people who will reward them because that's what the majority of Quebecers want is rewards from the people that they elect into office. Do you know, I think you're right, my friend. And I would say to that, um, that's besides the point when you, when you are looking at a carbon tax. Carbon is car carbon, oil is oil. Doesn't matter if it came out of Alberta or if it came out of Saudi Arabia. There is absolutely no basis, you know, logically speaking, not politically speaking, to tax one and give an exemption for another. But, you know, Kian, what really, I mean, uh, the video segment we're talking about is your attempt to scrum uh, Minister Freeland, but you had another video, and I urge our viewers to watch it, because to tell you, I know the year is young, but this might be the most frustrating video of 2020. It's you asking Minister Wilkinson um, to explain the exemption. You asked the question clearly two times, and twice he gave you a complete non-answer. It was like asking the minister, what kind of car do you drive? And his answer is, my, my drapes are green. Um, mm -hmm. Why can't we, I, I mean, Kian, it, it's embarrassing, I think, for this government, the way they are so non-transparent in taking on uh, hard questions to this issue. I, you're right, it is exceedingly frustrating, and it's even more so frustrating when you're the one asking the questions and you're getting sidelined by them. Um, so that that situation that you're referring to with Wilkinson, I asked those questions and I asked the question uh, for the second time, and then I went to go ask the question for the third time and I was shut down by his assistant. They all freaked out saying that, oh, no, 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 we have to wait for everyone. Uh, everyone needs to be able to ask a question, you only get two. 
So I said, okay, I'll respect that. And then right after I asked questions, CBC Radio Canada came up and asked three questions in a row, one after the other. And Minister Wilkinson was happy to oblige them. It seems that this government is happy to answer questions as long as it's from the bought and paid for media. Well, yeah, CBC Radio, that's part of the, uh, you know, taxpayer-funded uh, state stenographer pool. So, of mm -hmm. course, they have uh, preferred status. And I bet you uh, the Radio Canada questions weren't the type of questions you were asking, my friend. No, 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 no. They were, of course, about the press conference that we were at, something about um, a, a tax a, a grant being given to the University of Calgary to install dimmer switches on their lights so they use less power. Somehow that is just the most pressing news in the world. But when it comes <laughs> to the billions of dollars that we could be generating in revenue from taxing Saudi Arabia, well, that's just, I mean, come on, why, why, would, why would Wilkinson want to answer that? Because Trudeau's government has been backed into a corner on Saudi Arabia on so many fronts. Um, there was, uh, it's not just when it comes to oil and gas, does Trudeau cuck so hard for a country like Saudi Arabia? He does the same thing when he sells them arms. We know that Saudi Arabia, their government, their, the, the, uh, their leadership are, are funders of terrorism. But for some reason, our government gives them, sells them arms to what? Attack the West with? And Trudeau's getting off the hook with, uh, with that. And he's getting off the hook with the Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, carbon tax break as well because the mainstream media isn't interested at all to ask him questions that are pertinent. They just want to follow, uh, they just want to ask irrelevant questions about dimmer switches. Uh, amazing. Well, maybe Saudi Arabia, like China, is uh, one of those dictatorships that Justin Trudeau kind of admires. Um, but mm -hmm. from a non-answer, from Mr. Wilkinson to no answer from Freeland. We, we showed the clip of her just brushing past you as though you were a panhandler asking for loose change. Um, what gets me about this, Kian, if you look at uh, Freeland's resume, she herself used to be a journalist, of course, and she would have uh, screamed like a banshee if any elected official had ignored her questions when she was on the other side of the ledger. But I guess she's gone native, so to speak, Keenan. She's part of the elected elite right now, and you are undeserving of an answer, as is our audience. No, you're right about that. It was hilarious that I had the opportunity to ask because the sheriffs who were overseeing this uh, photo shoot is what it basically was because they weren't taking questions. The sheriff said over and over, there will be no questions, there will be no questions. They'll both give a statement, but there will be no questions. And everyone kind of wondered where Christia Freeland was, and and the press conference, uh, the media, uh, the photo op was about 15 minutes late, and we figured maybe Kenny and Freeland were talking in a back room, but it turned out Freeland, as usual, like she was for so many meetings meetings during the USMCA agreements, she was late, uh, so she walked in the front door behind the lineup of reporters, awkwardly walking in, and I took the opportunity because I just noticed her walking in. I took the opportunity, turned around, and and shot off those questions, I, I guess I should have expected that she wouldn't answer. The sheriffs were not happy though, I have to say. They they said, we told you that there would be no questions. And I told her, I told them that, well, this wasn't really the, this wasn't the photo availability anyways. She was late, she was walking in the door. There's no jurisdiction of the, of the press pool there. So I'm glad I was able to ask questions, show that she just wouldn't respond to something pretty basic. I think that the question is valid. The and that's why it's so stinging to her, because the question is so valid. Why are you not applying the same standards to 
a an evil regime like Saudi Arabia as you do to the ethically producing oil province in in this country, which is Alberta. It just doesn't make sense. That cognitive dissonance is why uh, why Freeland won't answer it, and why people are so keen to get an answer to the question. Well, I mean, look on the bright side, Kian, at least those sheriffs didn't threaten to arrest you or breach your peace for asking impolite <laughs> questions. That's what yeah. happened to me on Saturday in Toronto, but that's another story. But, you know, we, uh, with this liberal virtue signaling regarding uh, the oil patch, um, they are committed evidently to net zero emissions by 2050. I guess that's news, by the way, to Extinction Rebellion, who are in Ottawa right now, turning the glorious National War Memorial into a filthy and disgusting tent city. They want zero net emissions by 2025. That's less than five years away, Kian. Are any of these targets indeed doable? Well, first things first, uh, Extinction Rebellion is going to have to scrap all of their tents and quit buying them. Because, of course, <laughs> we know that they're made from petroleum products. I, they, they say we need to be uh, emissions-free, but they have no idea what emissions are. They think emissions are exclusively what comes out of cars. They want everyone to live in this public transit utopia. And they don't really think about what emissions actually are. Emissions come from hospitals. Emissions come from factories that produce uh, goods that keep people alive, that keep people comfortable. What do they want us to do? Live on the streets and not heat our homes? I, it, it doesn't make sense. And, and their demands won't be met because they can't be met. It, 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 it's staggering. No, you're right. And I saw firsthand when I went to Ottawa last week, uh, as much as these people preach against the petrochemical industry, Kian, it's not just the uh, vinyl tarps that they're using for their tents. They make use of every product uh, to come out of the petrochemical industry. Um, and, and so they are absolute hypocrites. Uh, one last note, um, and I bring this up because one of your uh, most outstanding pieces of 2019 was uh, getting that interview in Edmonton with uh, Greta Thunberg. And Greta Thunberg has um, uh, popped her head up like the uh, proverbial groundhog. And she has stated she's challenging newspapers around the world not to accept any kind of advertising um, from the fossil fuel industry. Evidently, there's one newspaper in Sweden uh, that is doing so. But I just can't believe the chutzpah. You know, Kian, and it's bizarre because newspapers, that's a sunset industry right now. I would argue newspapers would, t would welcome ads from people hawking crack cocaine right now to keep them afloat. Otherwise, they're going under or in Canada, they have to take government welfare. What do you make of this yet another outrageous demand from this high school dropout? Greta wants to pick and choose who gets platformed and who doesn't because if she can do that, she wins. If the only people in the world are on Team Greta, well, Greta's gonna get her way and politicians will continue to capitulate to her demands. We see this when we're asking questions of her, and I probably shouldn't say too much uh, about what's coming down the Greta pipeline at Rebel News, but you, the viewers are gonna see soon, Greta picks and chooses the uh, questions that she answers, and it seems that she wants to pick and choose what people can say in newspapers. So when does it stop? When are posts on Facebook and Twitter going to be banned if they are not green enough? When are conversations with family going to be banned because they're not green enough? Who knows? But if Greta gets her way, it's going to be fast. 
Well, you know, uh, Keen, we got to wrap it here. It'll be fascinating to see if any media outlets uh, heed this, uh, you know, advice from Greta, and we'll keep an eye on that. Anyways, fantastic work as always, Keen, and uh, thanks so much for joining me here on Rebel Roundup. No problem, David. You got it. And that was Kean Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Hi, ma'am. What brings you to this candlelight vigil? I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm not answering. Oh, okay. No problem. Yes, sir. Hi. Would you mind coming to the other side with us, please? I'm trying to do my job of journalism, sir, by asking questions. I'm not breaking any laws. We're in the public square. I'm asking if you'd be kind enough to come to the other side with us, because we just have some people. And just, the I, light's a little bright in my eyes, I'm sorry. Yeah. We just have some people expressing concerns about some of the questions, and perhaps you called some of them a terrorist. Uh, no, I didn't call anyone here a terrorist. Uh, absolutely not. So I've got everything on film. You, yeah, no, I just asked you to be kind enough to just come to the other side for a few moments. Okay, but I, I don't understand why I'm in a public place, sir. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm We're under. You. Are we under Canadian law or Sharia law? I'm just asking you. Okay, and I'm politely declining because I have no obligation to do So, that. if I hear any more complaints about using the word terrorism, I'm going to be back here, okay? So, I can't call a terrorist a terrorist? You're not, not in this sort of environment. No, you can't, okay? Because oh. that's going to incite a breach of the peace. So, and that is Canadian law. Am I clear? If I was to call Osama bin Laden a terrorist, that would be against. Question, please, am I clear? I know you're not clear, sir. I don't. I can't call Osama bin Laden. And it incites a breach of the peace. You will be placed under arrest. Do you understand? Terrorist? Oh, what am I going to be arrested for? What am I going to be ter arrested oh, for, sir? Breach of the peace. Breach of the peace for performing so if I, journalism. If I hear that again. I'm going to be right back. So I can't call Osama bin Laden a terrorist. Is that what you're saying, officer? Listen to me. Listen to Was Osama bin Laden a terrorist? Over here? No, I don't. I'm okay, if I hear another word like that, you're coming with us. So I can't call a terrorist a terrorist. You call any of these people that word? You I didn't call anyone that word. Okay, I well, called nobody. Every that's what I said. Do you want to see my camera footage? Listen, I don't appreciate the light straight in my eyes, okay? I'm sorry, I'm trying, All right, I'm to do that. but you're not to use that word again in here, in this environment. Do you understand me? Uh, no, I can use that word. We have freedom of speech, officer. Environment. What is this environment? What is this environment? You tell me. Why are you here? Why are you in this crowd right I'm now? I'm trying to find out why people are doing a candlelight vigil. I'm trying. Well, officer, with all due respect, you asked me why I'm here, and I tried to answer your question. We have people. I, I'm fine right here. I'm actually want to. I don't want to. People don't want to answer your question. Okay. I don't force them. decline. All right, that's fine. But if you use such words in this type of environment, which is heated right now, we can't have any of that. So riddle me this, folks. What is more disgusting that a few hundred people gathered in downtown Toronto across from the U.S. consulate to perform a candlelight vigil for Iran's now-departed terrorist-in-chief, or that a Toronto police officer tried to shut us down from covering this deplorable event because my questions were ruffling the feathers of people who despise Western values, including, it would appear, freedom of the press? Well, this video really touched a nerve with many of you, and here's what some of you had to say. Peter Rea writes, free speech is being slowly strangled to death in Canada. You know, it truly is, Peter, and there is an added level of loathing to this trend when it is members of law enforcement that are throttling free speech, much like the cops do in certain Islamic republics. Nor in Miga writes, was the person holding the Trump is a terrorist sign questioned and or arrested? As surely America is a better ally than Iran. Uh, no, Mr. Nmiga, he was not, for the record, 
I did not accuse a single person in attendance of being a terrorist, and I have the video to prove it, but brandishing a sign calling President Trump a terrorist? Well, <laughs> nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Stony Juan Kenobi writes, if he was so great, why'd they flee Iran? Um, maybe because he and the country aren't so great, but why import into Canada the sort of garbage you were originally fleeing from in the first place? Absolutely baffling that they would do that and that we would welcome into our great dominion people who harbor such odious beliefs. Thanks again, Justin Trudeau. And X McGee writes, here's a thought. Why don't you arrest the actual culprits that breached the peace? Well, my thought on that, X McGee, maybe arresting the real troublemakers requires too much heavy lifting. Better to come down hard and heavy on law-abiding citizens and journalists rather than risk triggering those thugs who are prone to violence. What that cop did last Saturday night was downright shameful. Namely, he sent a message to the pro-Iranian regime people here that might makes right. And as for me, at times I was really, really confused if indeed I was reporting from Toronto or Tehran. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.